Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. Joining me is the Rank God Head of Dispatch, Mr. Sam Tai. How are you doing, sir? Oh, mate, I'm good. I'm having a good week so far. Um, I played football and did a return to the pitch after two weeks out and did not suffer a reoccurrence of an injury. All of my fantasy teams won this weekend. So rare FPL, NFL. So we're coming up, Sam Tai. Wow, what a weekend. I mean, FPL did a right for me as well, but uh, the FPL expert on this show it is our transfer guru and 5x5 five five champion, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Lovely weekend away in Milan. That was yeah. good fun. Um, didn't see any football out there. That, that, that didn't work out, going to that game. Uh, didn't even see the game. Couldn't find anywhere to watch it. Weird. Um, <laughs> you, were clearly the, you were clearly the inter half of the city. They were like, we are not showing this. These are our two most hated I, I rivals. I a single inter fan all weekend. I saw Milan fans like a, ra- a few around that day. I mean, we landed at like 2 p.m. and like the game was at 5. So like by the time I like got to hotel and stuff, it was only a really short amount of time. Of, so I saw some people were clearly heading to the game. But apart from one guy, I, I was in a bar having a drink and like the guy was serving us had the game on on his phone like while he was like serving me <laughs> that's quite impressive like one hand they're just like bringing you <laughs> drinks honestly, with another one like he was like he was not letting go of his phone this guy it was quite funny had a lot of time for it yeah. but yeah just didn't there wasn't really that much i think it was a bit of a letdown as well the milan store i was quite excited i was like right where's the i think there's a couple in in milan but i found like the club shop i was like oh this would be good i'll spend a stupid amount of money in here i'm sure it's really rubbish. Oh man, like, I remember going to the one at the San Siro, like the one in the stadium, and it is literally a half and half job. They've got Inter and AC Milan stuff, oh, it? and it's like, yeah, it's like an imaginary, it's like an imaginary wall that splits it in half, um, and it's oh, almost God. like a mirror of each other, but with the same, oh, really? yeah. Um, and actually, it is easy to spend a lot of money in there because I remember going in there and everything was like extortionately expensive, but it's all so fashionable and so nice. So you're like, okay, Had cool. Some- we had this problem in Rome. Do you remember? We were walking around the Roman club shop. We were like, that bag is so nice. Yeah. That, you know, patent leather bag with the kind of <laughs> different like crests embossed in it. And so I was like, stop, Jack, walk out of the shop. <laughs> like, you don't need that. I was like, yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah. for uh, keeping me under, but, under wraps. But what the city, the city center shop had nothing. Literally like nothing. Like there was, they were out of stock of like everything. Like they, I thought, oh, I'll get Dylan and Reese probably a kit or something. Um, one AC Milan, one of each. Classic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have anything in their size, literally nothing in their size. And there was this really cool T-shirt I saw. They did a collaboration with Rolling Stones and there's like this AC Milan Rolling Stones badge and it has like sympathy for the devil written on it. Oh, very clever. Really cool. Um, large or extra large? No, sorry. Extra large or extra extra large oh, is all they've very got. Very popular. I was like, any more of these in like a small medium? No, nah. no. you know what they like in Italy. They got no time for you, yeah. no <laughs> time at all. That's one thing that's. T- Hang on, I, I, I take, take the exact opposite opposite because you know you're in the north of Italy. There's a very different culture in the south. Oh, they're friendlier down there. Oh, right? well, not everyone's <laughs> well nice in Sicily. So uh, the, top so line, yeah, the top line here is that that Dean did not return with an off-white AC Milan combo jacket. 
like Rafa Leal. I didn't. They didn't have them in the club shop either. <laughs> no, you can't just buy those. Um, <laughs> they did have a really cool wall um, of like pictures and stuff that, that I took a picture of. That was cool. And I, um, but yeah, there was not a lot of um, football stuff going on for me that we get. Wicked City, though. I did enjoy myself. I had a, had a really good time. And the, the best part of all was we flew over Craven Cottage on the way home. That was the <laughs> highlight of my trip. Got a great picture out the window of Craven Cottage. Looked lovely. <laughs> Yeah, this is it. You can take the boy out of Fulham, but you can't take the Fulham out of the boy. Uh, all right, today we're going to be talking a little bit more generally about the start of the season across Europe's five major leagues. But before we get into all that, it's time for a little bit of things we love. And I just want to start by highlighting what is an absolutely remarkable weekend of football ahead. This is the thing I love. I don't think I've ever seen a weekend like this in European football. I'm just going to read you out some of the fixtures and where the teams are in the table. So in Spain, Real Madrid play Barcelona in El Clasico. That's second versus first. Athletic club host Atleti, which is third versus fourth. In Portugal, uh, it's El Clasico, Porto versus Benfica, which is second versus first. In Italy, Lazio play Udinese, third versus fourth. Uh, in France, uh, we have PSG versus Marseille in Le Classique. That's first versus third. Union versus Dortmund in Germany, which is first versus fourth. And Bayern versus Freiburg, which is third versus second. And <laughs> then in the Netherlands, RZ Alkmaar, who are currently top of the table, play Feyenoord first versus fourth. It's stunning. So both uh-huh. in Spain and Germany, the top four in the league right now are playing each other. And then there's, you know, three classics if you will classics um in el clasico le classique um and of course el clasico in in portugal it's just like an absolutely chaotic weekend of football and that's you know without saying that liverpool are playing manchester city normally that would be right in this mix it isn't obviously right now uh, at the time of recording and of course there's a turin derby uh, between torino and juventus so just looking at this and being like, wow, that is some some weekend lined up across the European landscape. Just I mean, Milan, stunning. Uh, Man, Man City, Liverpool could still be interesting. I mean, what if Man City smashed them? Like, there's potential that they're going to get smashed. So, potential there's that, also yeah. there's also the potential that this is the turning point for Liverpool's season. Yep. And you go, right, how do you, you know, suddenly, how do you get this Liverpool side firing? How do you turn the corner? Well, if you could beat Man City, that would be the answer to said question, I mean, wouldn't it? I look forward to you predicting that at the weekend. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I mean, let's, let's see. Let's see what the predictions say. But equally, look, I think there's hope there for Liverpool fans. Yeah, yeah those moments yeah. and. Yeah, I do. I do. I think that anyway, you know, this side this sometimes, about, no, it's not. Sometimes those <laughs> are the big games you need to kick a season into gear. And, and, and you know, it's uh, okay. going to be very interesting. But Sam, I know you want to talk about one of these in particular. Well, the thing I love is that we are going to be at one of these games. Lucky us. Um, we're off to Bilbao for the weekend, aren't we? Off to Bilbao, yes. off to the Basque country. Uh, we're going to go and watch Athletic against Atletico, which is very, very exciting. Uh, Dean, Jack and I, and a cameraman. First time we're ever taking a cameraman on a trip. Look, look at us with our big boy pants on. Um, us with an employee. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Make, off, to Bil- off to Bilbao to hopefully to create some really cool content. So obviously we're going... Um, along in association with New Balance, our friends and partners. Um, we should be at the training ground, get a look at what athletics facilities are like. Um, we'll definitely be at the game. We'll be soaking in the culture. We'll be eating pinchos and all sorts of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're there from like Thursday to Monday. So it really is a long weekend in each other's company. 
Yeah, I mean, Ooh. Sam's going to have to put up with me for four full days, and I'm actually a bit concerned about his mental health no, I've by got, the end of it. I've got, I've got, I've got uh, Thomas from New Balance, I've got uh, cameraman Eden, and I've got Dean as buffers, and they're all going to take eight-hour shifts. <laughs> yeah, you have to wait. I don't get it until the Friday, so you're going to have to get through those first few hours on your own. Yeah, the babysitting duties for the first bit is how we're going to start. <laughs> That's the problem. Like Jack's most excitable in those first few hours. Yeah, but my patience is that it's... Uh, Hi, yeah, so I'm, yeah, that's true. I'll be okay, yeah, I hope. <laughs> it's a really exciting, it's a really exciting game. This, um, obviously, these two clubs come from the same root and stem, if you will. Uh, Athletic were originally formed as a as a branch off from Athletic Club. Um, now we're not going to see my favorite quirk in football because Athletic are at home. Um, but the the best thing about this game is that because Athletic took their, you know, their their origins, but also their colours from Athletic Club, they always wear their away kit in this game, no matter whether they're home or away, as a kind of nod to history. We're not going to see it, but it's one of those ones where at the, well, I was going to say the Calderon, it's not the Calderon anymore, it's, it's the Metropolitano. Um, they will be wearing their away kit when Athletic come to town, which I just mm. do think is one of those really random, interesting, factual quirks in football that just makes me smile every time I see it. And mm. it's just one that maybe slides under the radar sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not going to see it properly in all its glory, but we do get to see a, a massive matchup in third versus fourth. We say this is... Very, very exciting. Great yeah, game. To we're gonna, at, we so. get to see Ernesto Vervelde's tricky Lions up against Diego Simeone's tired looking soldiers right now. You have to say, like, Athletic feel like the favourites going into it. They've got all the verve, they've got all the hope and the optimism. They're playing really well in third place in La Liga. Feels like it could be sustainable. We get to see the Williams brothers, get to see Ikamunayin, like the legendary captain. It's going to be, it's going to be bags of fun. Absolutely it's amazing. Be fun, yeah. Yeah, it'd be good. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I think we all are. It's gonna be a wonderful weekend in the Basque country. There might be a special pod coming at some Maybe. point, I reckon. Maybe we'll keep you all in the YouTube stuff with what what's to come. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what might come out of this weekend? But yes, there are big plans in the offing. And with that, we're going to move on to our main segment because there is loads to discuss. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our main segment. And it seems a good time to look back at the opening salvo, shall we say. It's the end of the beginning, Sam, as we like to say <laughs> on this podcast, uh, of the season. We've come to the, the start of the middle. I'd forgotten about exciting. that. <laughs> that yeah, the end joke of the is beginning. exactly one year old and I completely forgotten about it. Yeah, when does the when does the beginning when end? Does the start end? Who knows? When's the end of the start? Who, who knows? We're going to be talking about the carnage across basically Europe's top five leagues so far this season. There's plenty to dig into, so I'm just going to hand over to you. Yeah. So basically, this idea was was actually sparked by one of our patrons' questions on Monday. So big shout out to Sean, who essentially asked us a question, or at least shone the light on how difficult it has been for teams involved in European competitions, so playing midweek, to kind of maintain any kind of rhythm and form in their domestic leagues and how it's disrupted them. And now, obviously, this always happens. It's hard to play every three and a half days. But it feels like things have got much worse this season for a lot of clubs that maybe you wouldn't expect. And Sean cited Inter, Leverkusen, West Ham, Liverpool and Sevilla and Leipzig as teams that have been very up and down, to put it politely. Um, and I think you can add in Porto, Marseille, Juventus, uh, e- even more. There's, there's plenty. There's really only like three teams that have like nailed it in terms of like maintaining that momentum. We're talking about Man City, Arsenal, uh, Benfica. Uh, yeah, not not too many really have managed to get this down. So 
the question got me looking at the tables, looking at the storylines, looking at you know the shocks of the season so far. And given we're roughly a quarter of the way in, I just thought it'd be a good time to recap the utter carnage that this campaign has actually produced so far. So we'll take each of Europe's top five leagues and basically cover what has happened so far in a quick fire fashion. And I've ranked them five to one based on amount of carnage witnessed by locals. Nice. Uh, it's nice. it's an inexact science, uh, <laughs> to put it lightly. And it it felt almost impossible to pick someone to go last because all five of these leagues have been absurd, absolutely absurd. So this is a this is a hollow hollow wooden spoon for Serie A who come in at fifth. I, I couldn't believe it when I looked at it, but I've got to put Serie A in fifth. Um, it's possible, <laughs> it's possible that subconsciously this has happened because I am struggling to accept that Jack Collins may be right about Napoli. It's a, it's a rare occurrence in podcast, to be fair. may be right about Napoli. It's harrowing news. It's a harrowing possibility but Napoli look like legitimate title contenders. And if if the year they do it is the year that they move on from Insignia and Koulibaly and Mertens, then that is just ridiculous and makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So well done to Napoli for their good start. Well done to Atalanta, who have bounced back in a big way. Uh, they've been top or second for weeks now. And if football had an NFL-style comeback of the year award, they would certainly be in line for it because they were... Really poor last season, but looking really well, really good this season. Udinese are in the top four, uh, just as we all predicted. Stubborn Mule keep coming from behind to draw or to win. And they've got 20 points already. And the weird thing is they deserve every single one of them and possibly a few more as well. And they're doing this with a manager who had never managed in the top flight before this campaign and whose son broke my sunglasses and still hasn't paid me back. Um, <laughs> below them Inter and Juventus struggling very badly outside the top four um, potentially we saw it coming with Juventus but not Inter no way and Monza won none of their first six games sacked their manager have now won three in a row so they're basically this season's Salernitana and then finally I think if you look at the bottom of the table if you're a Genoa fan you might be walking down the streets and screaming the word justice because Sampdoria celebrated your relegation last season and now look where they find themselves the word comeuppance <laughs> may be appropriate come May. So that's Italy. And that's the that's the the least amount of carnage I think I've seen. I think you're right, actually. And I, I didn't think I was going to be saying that much on this podcast, to be fair. I was excited to actually just kind of tear into to what you've done. But <laughs> I think the thing with Italy <laughs> is that seven of the top eight are probably the, play, the, the teams we expected them to be. Now, maybe not in this order, obviously, but... I do think that you're, you're looking at this and going, right, Udinese are really the only major surprise package mm. in that top eight right now. Um, and, and that's kind of where we find ourselves. Fiorentina's drop-off from last season is remarkable and quite disheartening, to be perfectly honest with you, considering some of the signings they made in the summer. But equally, you're looking at this and going, well, the big guns are still mostly in the mix. Uh, I've been impressed with that, so you know. And I've, I, you know, I know you skipped them out here on purpose, but ultimately, I, I think they deserve a little shout out. Um, it, you know, four in a row now for them. They've conceded the joint least goals in the league. They've scored twenty-one, which is just one behind Napoli as well. Um, Sarri ball when it was in full flow, and Napoli was, you know, obviously lauded for its 
joyous kind of balletic approach. But equally, it had there were long periods where it had very, very good defensive numbers. Um, and, and actually, I think that that's one of those things you go, oh, and, and look, they fell off in the second half of seasons, and that may well happen here at Lazio as well. But it's just their start has been has been impressive, I think. And, and having bounced back from, from that loss a couple of weeks ago to win four in a row and, and some quite resounding victories in that time, it just looks like it's starting to click a little bit for Sarri at Lazio as well. So, yeah, just 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 a shout for them. But Udinese definitely the the big story here. Aren't they? Yeah, and good of you to not even realise that I just put them fifth out of spite because I hate Gio Simeone and Chiro Immobile. So uh, professional all round. Yes, well, I know. I know how you are. I know how you are. I know how <laughs> things work in this in this league. But yeah, I mean, Mons have been fun, haven't they? The last couple of games really turned things around. And we were saying at the start of the season that. You know, and in our Serie A preview, that some of the signings they'd made had been spectacular, and that we expected them to to be okay. And then suddenly you're going, oh god, they've they've got one point from the first six games. But the the bounce up the table has been been very impressive. So yeah, shouts out to Monza who seem to be oh. tidying things up in the right direction. That win over Juventus a catalyst for a bounce up the table. Well, we know from the Premier League and specifically Nottingham Forest that if you sign a whole new bunch of players, maybe a new 11, it can be difficult to start quickly. So Monza and Forest share that in common and that that does lead us on to the Premier League who place in fourth. Uh, One thing I've been really struggling to get my head around and something that's been really annoying me because I keep having to put a caveat and an asterisk at the end of all my sentences is that City... are the only unbeaten team left in this league and they're definitely the best team in this league, but they're not first and they haven't been first the entire time because of two draws and because Arsenal have been awesome. Huge win after huge win, test passed after test passed. Every meme of Arteta is dying a very, very rapid death this season and Arsenal have been amazing and they've been top throughout basically the entire opening to the season, which has been absolutely incredible. And like no matter what we thought of Arsenal at the start of the season, no one would have had Arsenal top after eight or nine games. No one. So that is that is pretty remarkable. Sure. Also, no one would have had Liverpool where they are. Um, Liverpool just lost to Arsenal at the weekend and to be honest, have kind of collapsed a little bit this season so far. The midfield looks kind of broken. Um, the knock-on effect has not been particularly pretty. They've got some injuries to contend with as well. It's, it's not going very well. Maybe we didn't see Liverpool you know, close to City this year in terms of like, you know, one win away from a title. But I don't think any of us really saw this happening. Our five by five predictions certainly suggest that as well. Um, Man United have lost games 4-0 and 6-3 this season, but have won the majority of their matches and they've dealt Arsenal their only defeat of the season and their fifth and they win most of the time. How do you lose 4-0 and 6-3 and be largely good? What is going on? And it's very tough at the moment to be a fan of a Midlands club. Terrible region for football right now at the top tier. They make up four of the bottom five. Villa, Leicester, Forest Mm -hmm. and Wolves have all been varying degrees of awful. And this is a league in which we've seen four managerial changes already. We got one after four games, after Scott Parker was slightly disrespectful to his own players and club. Um, We've had one manager poached from another, that was Potter, and a couple more sacked as well. I expect probably there's going to be about three more before the World Cup as well. Carnage. Yeah, I mean, the order has been totally disrupted this season, hasn't it? I mean, it's it, this is an opportunity season for, for a lot of teams because it is carnage. I mean, as you say, nine games in, Man City haven't lost a game, yet they're not top of the doesn't league. That doesn't make it's, any sense yeah. at all. 
that, that you just wouldn't think that's possible. Um, also, they've scored 10 more goals than Arsenal. They're second. Like, they've conceded less goals than Arsenal. They're second. They haven't lost their second. They've won less games. This <laughs> like that's the only thing. Like it's just mad. But also, I love the fact that this video has emerged of Albamyang talking about Arteta. Um, couldn't have emerged at worst time. Could he? he said um, he just joined Barca, and there's this video of him sitting down. He said, "Managing big players, big characters. He can't deal with it. Um, some young players, they just sit there and they and they don't say anything." Oh, yeah, now Bamiang has been forced to now come out and talk about it, saying, you know, I'm aware that there's a video that's been come out. Um, at the time, I had a lot of bad feelings in me. Arsenal are doing great things this, is, this season. Wish them all well. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't handle you because you kept turning up late and not turning up for things. Um, and to be honest, maybe Arteta is better off without a person like Bamiang and his team. Maybe there are certain types of players that he can't handle, but that's okay. Because he's got someone in like Gabby Jesus, who's a dream to handle. And he's doing exactly what he wanted him to do. And that's that's where we're at at the moment. And I think that, you know, you look at the state of the table, like I say, like Liverpool being in 10th. You know, we looked at the um, summer transfer market. And we, we were thinking, like, have Liverpool done enough? Should they have kicked on? And we didn't want to criticise them too much because they already had such a, um, a good group and... Although they'd lost Mane, like largely there wasn't a lot we could have criticised. But now you look at it and you're like, well, yeah, maybe they, they were lacking something. And you do wonder what they're going to do next year. But um, and it's amazing this is as low as it is, to be honest. When, you, when you're listing off all of these things that make no sense in the Premier League, you'd have thought this is probably as chaotic as it can get in football. But it's not, is it? It's, it's not, although there's not a lot to separate a lot of these. Um yeah. And to be honest, I've got La Liga here in third to move us on, but it, it might actually be my, my personal favourite, but I did just because mm. of one particular thing, but I did try to step away from it a little bit uh, and judge overall. But in third, we have La Liga and at the top, we have Barcelona and Real Madrid who are locked on 22 points each heading into a Clasico. The title race is on, the parity is there. These two are pretty nice. much neck and neck and it, it, it's the perfect the perfect stage to enter a Classico one. It really is. Um, Lewandowski has already scored nine goals and we were hoping for a bit of a uh, a, uh, a strike-off between him and Benzema, I guess, but Benzema's been injured. Usually for Real Madrid, that means curtains, but Vinny and Valverde and a few others have really stepped up. Rodrigo too. Obviously, Athletic Club being in third is a part of this. It's absolute vibes. You know, having a, a, brother, a brotherly combo, powering an attack, combined with a rock solid defense is is fantastic it's great vibes and then the thing that really carries la liga into third is antoine griezmann's ludicrous minutes conundrum slash dispute which has finally been resolved but for the opening two months of the season la liga had its own literal soap opera opera like a contractual dispute the biggest one, I think, since the cast of the Big Bang Theory delayed filming by demanding one million per episode. You know, it's been it's been that big. Um, how they managed to get to this point, I don't know, but they've they figured it out, and he's free to play again, which is great. Um, Valencia aren't rubbish, which I think also counts for the carnage because they usually are, and I don't think anyone saw this coming. But they are not rubbish. Severe are though. Severe in the relegation zone. Sevilla are in the relegation zone and they've had to bring back chaos merchant himself, Jorge Sampaoli, to rescue them 
from the pit of despair that they've been left in. They're in the Champions League and they are in the relegation zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sam Pauli started okay. Obviously got that draw against Athletic at the weekend, yeah. which was... Very good result. Probably, yeah, it's a, it's a very good result, to be perfectly honest, considering where Sevilla... One win. One win yeah. this season. Now, look, we talked about Sevilla's problems and we talked about the fact that they hadn't been able to you know, re-energize this squad in terms of bringing through some youth and also that they were always going to fall off a little bit considering they lost one of the best backline pairings in the world last season. Mm. So there was always going to be that little bit of drop-off. But this, I don't think anybody was expecting. This is a moment you're going, oh God, that, that is a lot. That is a lot. And and, and ultimately, when you're, when you're looking at Sevilla and thinking, okay, are they there and are, are, they, are they unlucky? No, no, they deserve, they deserve to be exactly where they are. They deserve to be currently in the relegation zone. Now, they're not going to finish there, let's be honest. You know, they will move up the table. They have better players than pretty much you know, all of, apart from maybe the top seven in this league right now. And that's excluding Villarreal, who probably are still a better side than Sevilla across the course of things. But still, you know, you look at this and think there are teams that go, you, you, can't, you can't be in the mix. You're too good to be there. You have the players. And we've seen it in plenty of leagues where, you know, you're down the bottom and, and suddenly things snowball and it gets out of control. Right now, Sevilla are 10 points off the top four after eight games. That's not an easy thing to make up, right? That, that's a lot of points. Um, and there are a lot of people in the way you know, considering considering where they are and how they how they've started the season. Um, now and across town, Betis just seemed to, you know, after a really good start, now everyone just wants to get sent off all the time. <laughs> it's, it's really bizarre. Yeah. Uh, like in the last two league games, Betis have had a player sent off in the first 30 minutes, um, which has clearly, yeah. you know, anchored the team. You're going, this is one of, you know, uh, this is a really good side. It's one of the best sides in Spain. They've been excellent in the Europa League, a really important win over Roma last week, obviously. And, in, in, in kind of European terms, they're doing really well. Nine points from nine. And then you're in the league, you're going, you can't be, you can't be dropping, what is it, five points in the last two games to uh, to Celta Vigo and then Real Valladolid. That's not, it's not acceptable. But it is a strange kind of place to be. And that was their third red card of the season already. You can't, you can't, this is not sustainable. Um, but we have got a, an interesting kind of thing coming up there, Sam, now in obviously San Paoli, Taking over at Sevilla, Pellegrini, the manager at Betis, um, obviously two people who've had major influences on uh, Chilean football. Mm. Uh, and therefore, that's going to have a, a little extra spice to that derby now and, and some real interest from, from across the Atlantic Ocean uh, and into South America where, where people are going to be keeping an eye on El Gran Derby. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, just another another storyline to keep an eye on in, in, in La Liga. Absolutely. I mean, San Paoli picks up a severe side who, who need who need something of anything really um but the world cup break probably will come at a nice time for for a team like severe who just get yeah. get to just like stop playing football for a bit because <laughs> that's really what they've needed ever since the first fixture it, it was the opener they lost to almeria i think um and yeah. it was like as soon as they lost that one newly promoted almeria and they looked lifeless you were like okay all of our fears for severe they were bang on they are bang on and they are going absolutely nowhere. It's taken them too long to change managers. And, and now they're kind of, as you say, snowballing. But yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll move out of it. Of course they will. But uh, it's definitely been one of the shocks of the season to see them that far down. I remember putting my five by five together and going, well, I'm not going to put Severe in the top five, but they might get sixth. Well, at the moment, they're like 19th. So 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's a strange one. Um, you haven't mentioned Valencia, which I think is probably worth just a touch I just while said we're talking not about rubbish. carnage. No, but it is it is genuine chaos. It is absolutely great fun. Um, Gennaro Gattuso has three yellow cards so far, which is incredibly impressive, considering that the most that any single player has got is four. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Annie's a manager. In Valencia games in the league so far, we've had eight red cards. Eight red cards in games including Valencia. No, there's only been eight games. <laughs> it's, just, it's like it's just like pure unfiltered Gattuso in its like far, highest form. It is absolute madness. He uh, when he steps into a stadium, it's like a dark aura just descends upon everybody, and one person at random just goes completely mad. And uh, yeah. it's been one of the footballers every single time. Yeah, it's been. They, look, they've they've really surprised me at how like effective they've been. I really thought that they would spiral into into desperate desperate chain of results, and they managed to get Guillemot into a new contract. He's playing really well as the six. They've got Correa back from injury. Like there's when you watch Valencia, there's actually quite a lot of players that are quite quite attracted to the eye. And Samuel Lino has, has had a really good season as well. Yeah, really good. Um, on loan from Atleti, and it's like there's actually a lot of reasons to watch Valencia outside of just like the combustion potential they're actually quite a good footballing side I, i'm kind of stunned by it yeah yeah it's been it's been impressive in in many ways it's quite like just a fun team and you look at it as a lineup and you go hang on what like where have all these lads come from obviously clivert came in in the summer after that full that transfer fell through to fulham cavani came in lino went in on loan uh, Elish Mariba made that move permanent and, and you're going, okay, cool. Like all these players are, are kind of in this starting lineup and, and making a difference. And yeah, I just, it's been, it's been interesting watching Valencia. They've, they've kind of maybe slid under the radar a little bit, but they're doing well. And they're a very, very interesting side to watch under Gattuso. Yeah, absolutely. And you get to watch Yunus Musso when you watch Valencia. So it's always worth it. Um, but moving on to number two is the Bundesliga. And there's nowhere else to start other than the fact that Bayern Munich are not top of the league. They're not even second. They're not even like, they're not, they're not even the best team in the Bundesliga and they're just slightly underperforming or, or somehow not on top. Like the case with, with city they're in third place and they deserve to be in third place or lower at this point. They've dropped way too many points and not won enough games. And this is not something that, I think I've said for more than 10 years. <laughs> Were you doing podcasts 10 years ago? No, but I was talking. I could talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I that's up for debate. I know you were, you were, you were a late learner. I do a bit of talking. And it just like all of this, it just makes me wonder if we are in fact stuck in the upside down, you know, walking through all of these different leagues and all the carnage that's happening. And then you get to the point where Bayern are not top of the league. Are we in fact in the upside down? I mean, if you see any grandfather clocks suddenly appearing where they shouldn't be, please do inform us because that will that will lead us to some knowledge. But um, Bayern have drawn the same number of games that they've won, which is four, which is which is a bit mad. Um, Dortmund are bags of fun as usual. This is not new; they're flawed but fun. But their forward line is now being powered by a seventeen-year-old on the cusp of a breakout season, which even for them is probably another level of extreme being carried by a 17-year-old up front in Yusufa Makoko. And he is special. He is he is absolutely special. He had a brilliant, brilliant game at the weekend and he's had a great impact off the bench so far this season. He's absolutely one to be keeping an eye on. And looping back up to top spot, 
Union Berlin are first. They are first. Yes. The boys. And they are massively overperforming their XG, but we do not care because their defence is super solid and they have only conceded six goals in nine games, which is the best record in the Bundesliga. And they have four clean sheets in a row. Now, a bit further down or much further down, actually, Bayern Leverkusen have changed their manager and appointed Xabi Alonso. <laughs> Xabi Alonso is now a manager in the Bundesliga. This may actually prove that we're not in the upside down. We're stuck in a football manager simulator gone wrong because this is straight out of a football manager save. Xabi Alonso now manages by Leverkusen. Joining them in the bottom half is Leipzig. Again, they started really poorly once again. We didn't expect that to happen this time around under Tedesco, but they've already moved on to a completely different manager and new system. Um, we expected them to be probably about fifth. I reckon, in the in the table at this point, round fifth, which is where Werder Bremen, newly promoted Werder Bremen are. Those two have body swapped. And they also have the league's top goal scorer, Nicholas Fjellkrug, who has eight goals. Mm. Now, yeah. for the last eight to 10 years, I've been looking at the Bundesliga goal scoring charts and every single week for the last 10 years, Lewandowski's name has been at the top. And he's gone now. And he's been replaced by a bloke from Werder Bremen. What the hell is going on? Yeah, it's all a bit mad. I mean, look, to, to kind of put that in, in in some sort of very like slight perspective, if you look at the table, right, and you, you go, okay, last season's top four, where are they? Third, fourth, okay, 11th and 15th. It's madness. Cool. Like, that's just, like, what? Like, it's just one of those things you're kind of looking at. But just to kind of loop around on, on Verder, it, it's been so mad. They have been absolutely mental this season you look at the when the goals have been scored right week two Oli Burke saves them a point in the 95th minute week three they're 2-1 down against Borussia Dortmund going into injury time oh actually they're 2-0 down in the 89th in the 89th minute they score the 89th the 93rd and the 95th minute to win the game 3-2 there's this absolute nutty game in week four where they lose 4-3 to Eintracht Frankfurt um, the week after that, they score in the 86th and 92nd minute to see off Bochum. Um, they have this nutty game where all, they miss a penalty in the 94th minute against Augsburg. They lose 1-0. Uh, against Leverkusen, they score in the 82nd minute to rescue a point. Um, they batter Mönchengladbach, sort of out of nowhere. They win 5-1. And then you come this week and Fulkrug scores an 87th minute winner off the penalty spot to beat Hoffenheim. They're like the ultimate late team. Mm. They just keep turning up 80 minutes plus and it's great fun. Is Sir Alex Ferguson in charge of this team? Have we not noticed? Yeah, exactly. We're going to call it, we're actually going to call it Verder time <laughs> from here on in. 80 plus minutes is Verder time. You like, you can look at them, you're like looking at the scores and be like, Oh, Werder are 2-0 down. It's just hit the 80th minute. Turn that game on. <laughs> Turn that game on. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. With, so, yeah, lots of fun. Yeah. I mean, with the Bayern thing, I mean, there's various ways to look at that. Um, you wonder, firstly, like, did they did they always rely on, on Lewandowski's goals? And that's why they were always okay, because they knew that they had that superstar finisher that wasn't going to have chances go begging. Is it a Nagelsmann factor or is it a blend of the both? There was a really interesting report Oh, it was a few weeks back now, but they were. It was basically talking about like how things weren't going to plan, and and in the report they talked about how some players were annoyed with the way that Nagelsmann talks to the media after after bad results, basically. And and there's a feeling apparently within the squad 
that he's not willing to criticise himself or question himself, but will push around the blame to various aspects of the team. One thing he's, he's gone to a couple of times is the finishing technique right, of players. Now, I don't know if he's comparing them to Lewandowski, or if that is a genuine fault of this team, but it's crept in a couple of times now that there are players that are either unhappy with Nagelsmann and his management of that squad, unhappy with the playing time, I guess, of, of some players, particularly younger players who probably deserve a chance to impress at the moment because there are players who aren't, who aren't taking their roles, carrying out their roles as effectively as they should be. And there's got to be a question here of, are this Bayern team willing to dig in and do the dirty work to get results? Because they haven't really had to. You know, in the last 10 years, they've, they've not really had to worry about, you know, bad times, basically. And you've got to. You, you, can't, you can't sulk about these things in these moments. And this is, this is a real key moment. Like, for Man United, it was like obviously losing Sir Alex Ferguson was a big moment for them. Bayern, obviously, have changed coaches a couple of times. But getting to Nagelsmann, a new coach that needs to be trusted and given a little bit of time, I guess, but also losing Lewandowski as part of the process... It's like a double hit and it's a real test of the club. Now, they should be able to rise above it and get back on top quite fast. But I do start to wonder now, well, I think they will, but it's a real test yeah. that we haven't seen. I think, I think the, the problems combine and overlap a little bit there, Dean, as, uh, the ones you're talking about. Because, like, yes, but Bayern Munich, we're, we're not regularly forced to dig in deep over the last 10 years. Um, but mm. they were at times. And I saw those yeah. games and... Do you know what happened? Lewandowski scored twice in a 3-2 win. Yeah, this is, that, it, is yeah. What, that is literally what happened. Like, and I, I've even been to see them live and I've seen them not play well and Lewandowski has scored two goals out of just nothing and they've been all right. So does a team come to rely on that over the years? Do they do they and, and is it is it difficult for them to shift out of that MO? Um you know Nagelsmann wants them all to replace Lewandowski together, more communal approach, fine. Are they mentally ready to do that and carry the can? Uh, are they willing to do that? I, I, I take your point about Nagelsmann and the way he talks about the players. I'm not sure he throws them under the bus. I think he's just really honest. And I don't think it's about not wanting to criticise yourself. He just, like, if there was bad finishing, he just says there was bad finishing. But most other managers protect protect their players and they take the blame themselves. And then internally they go, right, can we have some shooting practice? But in the front of the media, they say, no, no, well, you know, it's on me. He doesn't really do that. Yeah. He's very honest and very analytical. And I can understand why some of, the, some of the players wouldn't necessarily like that. But these are the risks you take when you spend 25 million euros on a coach. You know, you are sort mm. of in for a penny, in for a pound on that. You can't just cut mm. bait on the, on the experiment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange yeah. one. Um, a word on Freiburg, Sam, because, you know, they're second uh, at the moment. They lost Schlotterbeck to Dortmund in the summer and people were, you know, wondering how they'd fill that hole. Matthias Ginter, Ginter. went home, yeah, which is cool. Like, it was just a really nice story. You know, Freiburg are just a, a really interesting side. Obviously, everyone knows about the, the 50 plus one rule in Germany. Freiburg are 100% owned by their fans. They are, you know, one of very few clubs to be completely and utterly fan backed and they did really well last season obviously got into Europe everyone was very excited about that but you know to, to kind of carry that on to this, into this season uh, Linhart has basically swapped sides in the defensive line to, to co- accommodate Ginter and he's done really well you know five wins three draws one loss 
They look very solid. I mean, three of the draws have come in the last five games, which might just be this European campaign, you know, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, starting to catch up mm. with them a little bit. But just a very, very impressive unit, really, really well coached. Um, and, and one of those really nice stories that you, you like to see. Christian Strike, genuine hero at, at the club, obviously. And they've just been just really impressive. Uh, I've been really pleased watching them. And, and it's really nice to see a team like this doing well, because you can tell how much it means to the people. They're from a really mad little part of Germany which basically doesn't feel like the rest of Germany at all. It's absolutely beautiful. It's like really, really like uh, foresty and and like a really almost romantic Italian city if you were like looking at it from the kind of baseline. But yeah, just Freiburg, a really interesting story. And to see them doing well again this season, you know, a lot of people might have thought, right, we'll see that. You know, they haven't made loads of signings this summer to, to kind of bolster the squad for a European campaign. How are they going to get on? Everything just seems to be ticking along quite nicely, to be honest. So, yeah, shouts out to them. Yeah, no, good addition, good addition. I mean, lots of little currents to weave in here for the Bundesliga. And so it's adding adding a few more in there it makes them legitimate contenders for the number one spot here. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how we get on uh, with the assessment of our number one, which is Liga in France, which I have probably watched the least of of the top five leagues. But even still, the storylines that emanate from it the carnage that explodes from it still manages to reach me, even from a, from a far, far distance. And again, we start at the top. It's PSG, obviously. That's not really much of a surprise. But what does surprise me is that uh, Neymar is putting together a pretty strong Ballon d'Or campaign to open the season, as is Messi. And both of them have rebounded in pretty exceptional style. I suspected that Christophe Galtier, the new manager, would be good for the team, but I did not anticipate his effect on these two superstars in particular being this strong. This has been a bit of a shock. Now, yes, they're top. That's not where the shocks begin. The shocks begin at second, which isn't too bad, which is where Lorient uh, are sat. Uh, one of Jack's favourites. A really cool collection of young players. Dango Uatara having a breakout season. Enzo Lefay, absolutely stunning. Terra Moffi, very, very good. Managed by a bloke called Reggie Labrie. This is his first job in management. Sometimes he brings his son on to play in midfield. <laughs> Teo Labrie. It's just amazing. It's amazing. Everything about it is just absolute vibes. It's so good. So, so good. Um, moving down a little bit further, Marseille. Uh, their second top goal scorer this season is a wingback, Nuno Tavares, on loan from Arsenal. Actually, the Arsenal feel to this team is really strong. They have Alexis Sanchez, they have Ganduzi, they have Kolasinac. And there's also just a totally ex-Premier League feel to it as well. Paul Lopez is in goal, or was until this weekend anyway, ex-Spurs. Mbemba, ex-Newcastle. Jordan Veratu, ex-Aston Villa. And Eric Bailly and Dimi Paye are there as well. Their chief scout definitely, definitely just watches the Premier League. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He can, well, he's doing a better job, Nice, of, of actually just picking up players that are useful in the Premier so League. So Nice, Nice have the same strategy, but they are doing it in a more hilarious and deeply flawed fashion. Uh, they're currently fielding some combination of Nicola Pepe, Aaron Ramsey, Mario Lamina, Joe Bryan, Ross Barkley and Kasper Schmeichel. So if you thought... And Mad Sorensen, don't forget him. He was at Brentford. <laughs> so if you think the Marseille collection was weird, well, I'd like to introduce you to Nice. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, these, this is a team that is extremely well-backed financially and is supposed to be very aspirational, should be moving forward 
But uh, somewhere along the line, I just got very, very confused. Um, yeah. What else have we got? Lille are back to an extent. It's certainly Jonathan David Susan, which we love. Um, and they can field a midfield three of Angel Gomez, Andre Gomez, Benjamin Andre, which is just obviously vibes. And um, I finish off with Nantes. Poor old Nantes. They won the cup last season. They got into Europe. We talk about teams that aren't juggling the schedule very well. They're 19th. Yeah, they've won once, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> they're just not very good, they're conceding sadly. so many goals. They are not they're not nailing this at all. And they've got Freiburg in their Europa League group as well. Obviously, so it's tough on all fronts. Tough on all fronts for Nantes. But overall, like I look at Liga, I look at the rookie, the rookie manager playing his son, the ex-Premier League feel like it's just like, I just can't really get my head around a lot of this. Um, I think Liga yeah, is, is bringing through some of the best down. stories. I'd go as far as to say Liga isn't carnage. Liga is just drunk. And I blame the cheap red wine. It's two euros a bottle out there. How can you not be? <laughs> also, I mean, this season was set up for chaos before it even began because this is the year, right, that Liga is going to 18 teams in its top flight. So four teams are getting relegated and two teams are coming up. So they're, they're, they're shifting the system. Oh, this right. season so there's an extra relegation place just to add you know a bit more chaos into an already chaotic league I like they've that. gone what we'll do here is make it smaller that'll that'll work <laughs> they're, they're going to they're going to basically the bundesliga's model in terms of 18 I don't think that's the worst quite, idea actually I no i don't either I, I, yeah. but it's just funny that's, that there's the extra season. spot yeah. and you're like oh god how's this yeah. gonna work <laughs> um but yeah shouts out shouts out to lorient because that is just such a wonderful story i think this is marseille if i'm not mistaken i could be it could be out at least it was till last weekend they're best ever start to a league on season and now they lost at the weekend so that might well when does the, the when does the start end well this is it I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is the end of the beginning we know that for sure lans are interesting as well they're doing really well again which is nice they they had a good season last year they, they've kicked on from that there was that amazing thing with seko fafana's new contract where he signed it in the middle of the pitch with all the fans there after the game yeah which is just just one of the best videos of all time they're you know up in the mixer having having a good time and playing some really good stuff as well obviously they lost the derby which is uh, a bit of a kick in the teeth i'd imagine it's a, a highly contested derby that one between Lille and Long but um, yeah they're, they're having a, a good start and I've just been impressed with them kind of across the board so yeah shout out to Long as well yeah genuinely definitely well done a PSG atop and people will probably assume that that means nothing's really happening but just look one place down and everything everything <laughs> else is just absolutely ridiculous uh, Jack I note that your beloved Angers are uh, in the fight the fourth and final relegation spot right now so yeah, Ooh, tough times. For they you. sold all their good players, so it's actually incredibly difficult <laughs> for them to be good this season. Yeah. Um, obviously, Mohamed Ali Cho went off to Israel Sociedad. We've seen a lot of players move on. This is a very different squad to the one that started last season so well. Yeah. And yeah, that those changes have not done them any favours no. by any account. And Leon have just fired Petter Boss. Um, after a run yes. of five games without a win, it was four losses and a draw, uh, and he's finally gone. And they have appointed Laurent Blanc as their manager, who we have been joking since the the football ranks days, actually. So since but, I think he's been out of a job since we started podcasting. That's yeah, how I would put because it. Because we've been it's been a running joke on this podcast that Laurent Blanc doesn't do football management; he just plays golf. And <laughs> every time his name comes up, we make a joke about it. And, um, well, no, he's manager of Leon. 
No, I imagine he has been in for jobs ever since we started this pod, just didn't get any of them. He was just listening to us and being really upset about the He's like, I'm not playing golf. Yeah. I'm just trying I'm to get a job. For every job in football. No one's giving me that. Well, now he's in um, charge yeah. of a wonderful, a wonderful stable of young talent at Leon, including Ryan Shirky and Maxon's Kakare. So he has got one of the most important jobs in football here, because Leon have got like probably five exceptional young players that we hope can make it absolutely massively. So he is the guardian of their careers right now. So take your job seriously, Laurent, and skip the links. Uh, Don't do a so, Um Monaco have gone mad. Have you seen this? Like, obviously, they they won one of their first five. You know, one win, two draws, two losses. They've won five in a row. They're up to fifth. They do they've this. Just finally, they finally hit the streak. They yeah, this. they did this at the end of last season as well, didn't yeah, they? they've done it early but this they, season. They've done it in October. <laughs> They're like, right, we've had quite enough of being genuinely quite rubbish. They won the, again, it was one of those. They won the derby. They had a really, really weird start. They drew a PSG. They drew with Ren. And you were like, they're two perfectly reasonable results. They got battered by Long. They got battered by Troyes. Um, and then you're going, uh, th- what are you doing? How's this working? And then they won the derby against Nice and have, have gone on an absolute tear since it. So, yeah, interesting at the at the very least. But they did. It was the it was the Champions League qualifying things that yeah. that ruined them again. This happened at the start of last season. They put all of their energy, lost to PSV, uh, and then started the season really, really slowly. And you're like, oh god, they're having a moment. They're having one of those, and and then suddenly they win the derby, and they're away, and they're back into the conversation, and they've been doing really well in the in the Europa League as well. So yeah. Fair play to Monaco. They turned it around after a a bit of an inauspicious start, should we say. Well, I think that probably brings us to the end of this segment, Sam. That is five leagues with loads going on. I don't think anyone, as you say, deserved to come last. It's been genuine, beautiful chaos kind of across Europe so far this season. It's been really, really entertaining. There are some things that you can predict. There are some things that you can't. And and ultimately, we, we, we've really enjoyed this because it's been, well, it's been all over the place, isn't it? You're just looking at this and going, what can you... Imagine, and maybe things will calm down after the World Cup. But we're going into a month, as you know, as we said on various spots, we're going into a month where there are games like every three days. And it's it's going to be very, very tight for teams and turnarounds from here to the World Cup starting in mid-November, which means that you can only imagine this gets even madder over the course of the next month. Mm, probably, yeah. I mean, when you add in all these midweeks as well, you know, it just, it just, it never stops. No one ever gets a chance to take a breath. If that's how we feel covering the sport and watching the sport, then imagine what it's like to be involved in it. Imagine what it's like planning for these games. I mean, where do we even get the moment to catch your breath, change your system, change your ideology, take two days off? Impossible. And that, I'm sure, adds to all of this. Chris Smalling was talking about this. I watched a wonderful interview with Chris Smalling where he's speaking Italian. Yeah, I saw that. Um, in the Good media, it's really, really enjoyable. Good man, Chris. Um, and you can see him just like working working at it in his head as well. It's, like, it's a really, really kind of heartwarming moment. It's actually, moment. it's really funny because he forgets the word at the end for proud in Italian. And he, because he, when he can't say a word in Italian, he says the word in English and then thinks about it. And he said yeah. the word proud, but he said it in English, but with an Italian accent because he'd, be, he'd morphed into the Italian accent. So when he was trying to find the word for proud, he said proud. <laughs> it, it was really so really good. good i was so i was so so happy it was one of those ones you're just smiling going yes go on chris but he says it in that interview he says you know we'd like some time to recover but actually we've got another game on thursday so there's no time for that whatsoever <laughs> and you're just thinking yeah i can see you my man yeah. but uh, he's turned into a goal scoring machine so maybe he wants his streak to continue at the same time okay right after the break we've got mel of the week and the gibberish rankings don't go anywhere 
Welcome back to Rags FC. It's time for our third and final segment. It's going to be the Dean Jones show for this segment. So I'm going to hand it over to you, my man. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Rio Ave goalkeeper Jonathan. Oh my days, this is as bad as it gets. As soon as I've finished talking, press pause and look this up um, on Google videos because this is a clanger. Rio Ave were playing Benfica. It started really well. It took the lead in six minutes. Um, Benfica obviously having a good season. Didn't take them too long to equalise. They reclaimed, well, they claimed the lead for the first time though. Thanks to the goalkeeper because... Look, he receives a back pass from his midfielder and he's to the right side of his goal. Okay, And as he receives the ball, there is no danger. He takes a touch across his body as somebody begins to close in on him. The touch is too heavy as he touches it from his right foot onto his left foot and he goes into the far corner. <laughs> it's a goal. He sticks it just inside the post and he scrambles to try Great and get finish. back. It's too heavy. He can't get there. He ends up in the back of the net with the yeah, ball. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The tangle um, makes it. <laughs> the scramble tangle. It's like, oh, it's his worst nightmare. <laughs> it just shouldn't happen. But you you see this and normally, like goalkeepers obviously do make mistakes like this, but normally they save themselves in the goal line and like just get it away in time. And occasionally, very occasionally... They don't. And this is such a blow to them too because look, Benfica are obviously the best team in the league at the moment and they were they were making a good game of it and in the end they lose the game and Benfica went on to wrap it up, got another goal. Um, but Jonathan must have... Oh, he must steal... How do you get that out of your head? I don't know. How does he overcome a moment it's, like that? It's, hard it's to, tough as well. It's hard to just, throw this back out there to a bigger audience that haven't seen it because he probably doesn't want anyone else to ever look at this again. Yeah, you've got, you got to watch it. I mean, I'm just watching it back again. And the annoying thing is, like, fundamentally, it's all, it, it all, it's all correct up until the point where he touches the ball because he's to the right of the goal, the back pass is wide of the goal, and you're taught, like, don't... The back pass, like, go wide of the goal. So if you do miscontrol it, it goes under your foot. It doesn't go in the net. It goes out for a corner fundamentally everything is right until he kicks the ball into his own net that's where he goes wrong you shouldn't do that but the bit where he ends up on his back with his legs stuck in the net (laughs) chasing the ball (laughs) oh my god it's one of the best things in in sport actually um visually when a player gets tangled in the net like like it it is sensational because they're such yeah. graceful athletes, these guys at the top level. But uh, a simple net can get the better of them and yeah. make them look very silly. It happened to Dylan recently. We were, when we go to watch Walton and Hersham, speaking play, of athletes, there are these goals um, around the pitch. They like have this big area, and um, the goals are like kids' goals, but they're all turned around, so they don't really want to promote. The, like they don't encourage the kids to all play while the game's on, so they turn the goals around. Obviously, the kids still use them, but obviously, so Dylan uses the goal. And he hits the net and then he goes to get his ball out. And it's his first taste of how tricky it is to get the ball out the back of a goal and uh, picks up <laughs> his his ball. Absolutely no idea of what can happen. Foot is in the net, goes to walk away. Off he goes. Fly, he goes absolutely flying. <laughs> lands in a heap on the floor. Looks at me crying. I'm like, mate, it's a life lesson. <laughs> get up. Get, to get up get and up. score again. Get up, yeah. Project up. Mbappe continues. <laughs> Learn to tread carefully when you're in the back of a net. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, we're into the nonsense anyway, so I may as well, well, not, may yeah. well not do it. But like, 
Uh, Dean, we uh, we made a promise last week that we're going to do three of these in a row. Um, Sam mm. did things he's unexpectedly good at. It's your turn. Yeah, so three things I'm good at. So, yeah, I um, I did ask Taylor and Dylan for a bit of advice here. So um, it's it's hard to, to come up with these things yourself. Um, anyway, the first thing that I'll say as is, is number three is Taylor says, she said, you're very good actually at finding new music and new podcasts. And I was like, actually, that's a good point. I mean, I'm, these aren't especially niche all the time. It's just like I have like same music. I have like four or five bands that are like my go-to music that I just like want to put something on I like. And it'll be like Oasis or Cortinas or Rifles or DMAs and like it's safe go-to music that I know I'll – they've always got something. I can strike the mood perfectly. But beyond those sorts of bands – I'm always on the lookout for new stuff. And I generally, to be honest, don't go to the stuff that Apple curates for me, even though their playlist is probably anything else that I could probably come up with myself. I feel like it's too easy. Like I don't want someone to do all the work for me. Sometimes I'll dip in just to see the bands and then click on one and, and then go a bit deeper. But generally, I like to find my own band. So look, a few things I've found recently. There is a band called Soccer Mum. Right. right, and they got a song called "Circle the Drain." It's brilliant. Like, go and listen to that song. That's one I recommend. Soccer Mum, like, what a band name, Soccer Mum. <laughs> um, a couple of others found recently. There's a band called CVC. They got a song called "Lonely People." I love, and there's a band called Sprints. They got a really good song called "Literary Mind." So there's a few I found recently. In terms of pods, I think the reason I find new pods is I just get bored of genres like. Obviously, I listen to football pods all the time, but outside of that, like I was into true crime a while ago, so there were various ones I'd look at and that. Then I'd always want like a, a funny one. So Smartless was it's a podcast with Will Arnett and Jason Bateman, and uh, it's just a really it's a really good pod. Like you can listen to it at any point and pick any episode, and it's just good. At the moment, I'm going through like a period of like self development. I'm going to call it, lad. Self improvement. This is like when you read that book. Oh, yeah, I think it all stems from there. It's actually stemmed from the, probably from the fact that I'm not employed by a company anymore. So I've got to keep better in myself and better in ranks. I actually probably came from the chat we had the other day as well about we've never done any marketing from this podcast and really need to start looking into that. So I have actually, actually, I listened to a podcast the other day in Milan about from a guy who wrote a really good marketing book. But anyway, I'm listening to podcasts like Diary of a CEO. That's really good. Like Stephen Bartlett unbelievable what he's come up with there um mindset mentor things like that so yeah just keep expanding the mind bit, and it's something that i'm a bit concerned by this um yeah. sounds like you're trying to not stage a coup but we <laughs> we um we're 33 equal share directors um but it sounds like you're interested in being a ceo of ranks Diary of a CEO. I'd probably make Dean a CEO of ranks. Yeah, I don't want to be a CEO. What's weird about that podcast is I've never actually listened to anyone who's a CEO. Like, I don't actually know why it's called that. I've, I haven't listened to it long enough to, to find out why it's called the Diary of a CEO because it's not. He just he interviews loads of people from various walks of life and then they just – there's um, a really good one with Jimmy Carr. And Jimmy Carr, like, he's really good actually. Like, I, I don't – always love jimmy carr's like stand-up he's quite good but like his episode on on diary of ceo is really good i recommend that one especially but don't worry that i don't want to be in charge of this you know that <laughs> too much right <laughs> go on then on to number two 
creative kids games. Both Taylor and Dylan brought this one up. And it wasn't something I'd thought about, to be honest. Um, Taylor's like, oh, you're really creative when it comes to the kids. Like, that is a real good thing that you do. I said to Dylan, well, oh, Dylan came up with some absolute nonsense when I asked him. But like, one of the, he goes, oh, you're good at pl- coming up with games for me. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, I mean, I don't really see this as anything special. Like, I just see it as being a dad. But I guess it's what role as a parent you take. And I guess... Um, look, kids love one-on-one attention and it's probably just a way of, of trying to keep them quiet so I don't know I'll make like an assault course or you know Dylan loves floor is lava so I'll come with like a new version of the floor is lava and find things that he's got got a tread on throughout the house so he can get around um, that sounds good or like, there's, can we there's do that in our fun. Like, can I can, can, we, can I come to play? Can we do that in we'll our Airbnb? But well, <laughs> we'll play in our Airbnb. Yeah, uh, after a few drinks. Uh, I like Dylan loves card games, but he's not good at them. Um, so like anything you try to play, like if you try to play, I was trying to teach him poker last week. Yeah, <laughs> like, like <laughs> top trumps or like Uno or even Snap. He's not really get it. It's like you've got to let him win. So basically, I make up card games. So like. I'll, I'll make a pile of cards and we'll take it in turn to turn them over. And there is no objective. But suddenly he'll turn over like a six of hearts and I'll be like, it's the monkey card. And I'll ju- I'll start going ooh, 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 and jumping around the room. Come on, everyone. And Dylan and Reese start jumping. They're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, he loves cards because he thinks this is how it works. To be honest, <laughs> it's just all in the imagination. But it's fun. Like, I think this is probably a dad thing. Like... Taylor says herself, she's like, oh, I love like being a parent. She goes, I find it really hard. Like those, that, those, some of those games you can't with that are absolutely ridiculous. I can't think of those. I was like, oh, maybe she's because I'm a stupid boy and that's just how our minds work. So it could be that. Anyway, the top thing that I'm good at, that I've put as number one, and I liked, I, it was, this is very unexpected, but I guess it's true that Taylor said, she goes, you know what? The best thing that you've become good at is admitting when you're wrong. Ooh. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Can't confirm this will not be in either mine or Sam's. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. And I was like, you know what? That's really interesting because I now you say that, I have, I've had to work on that because that definitely didn't used to be the case. And I think it's probably not the case for most people. Um, it's hard to do, especially in a relationship, like when, especially when there's only two of you. Maybe it's even harder when there's more. I'm not sure. Um but to admit you're wrong, especially in the heat of the moment, is really difficult. But it probably goes in hand in hand with, I don't know, just before lockdown, around lockdown, when like I was trying to just basically let go of some ego. And it's like I stopped tweeting and stuff because I was like, this is just doing my head in. Like I don't care about the likes anymore. Like <laughs> I'm better off without this. And I started to realize that like sometimes when we have an argument. Taylor's obviously right most of the time. (laughs) And it just became a lot easier to just say, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. Nobody knows what to do when you go, oh, yeah, sorry about that, you're right. They're like, what? (laughs) Because sometimes the argument's not even finished. And actually, I think this winds Taylor up sometimes. She said it's the best thing about me. I think sometimes it annoys her that the argument doesn't drag on a little bit longer. But it feels really good. To suddenly just go, yeah, 
Fair yeah, yeah you're right. I, I reckon the reason this is difficult for Taylor to stomach sometimes is because I bet the reason you're even arguing in the first place is because you spent the last 20 minutes winding her up and winding her up and pissing <laughs> her off. And then you get her at full tilt and then, and then you go, yeah, sorry, no, my bad. And then she's got she's got an outrageous amount of like volcanic energy to it. <laughs> and there's nothing to do with it. And it's your fault. <laughs> she would say that the worst thing about me is that I wind her up. Because she'll go, I'll wind her up. I don't know why. Sometimes I'm just bored, so I'll just wind her up. And she gets one. Okay, I'm wound up. What now? What now? What happens? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to walk away and play cards with yeah, the boys. I don't know. <laughs> That's exactly but, what I'm yeah, talking about. It probably does come from somewhere there, but <laughs> yeah, just out of the blue. If you generally are a person that doesn't do this, which is most people probably. Next time you have an argument with your partner or, I don't know, your parents or whatever it is. Your friends. Just halfway through. If you are genuinely wrong, just go halfway through, just go, no, yeah, actually, you're right. I am wrong. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, they do not the bewilderment. know what to do next. It's so funny. So, yeah, it, there you go. This is just Top another wind. It's just another wind-up. Ultimately, it's just it's another wind up. Wind up. Yeah. And you can feel good about it because you've done the right thing. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. Well, well done, Dean. Well done. Very good. Um, I look forward to trying to put mine together next week. It's a, yeah. a bloodbath, but we'll see how we get on. Um, but with that, that is all we have time for on Ranks FC this week. Thank you all so much for listening as ever. All that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to Rank God, Mr. Sam's our brilliant main ranking this week, mate. Uh, and my full title, please. Uh, and head oh, yeah. of dispatch thank you very much mate yeah thank you uh, thank you very much to our five by five champion king of the andals and the first man and transfer guru mr dean jones cheers mate i've been jack collins knave of hearts thank you so much <laughs> for listening to this podcast we will well we're off to bill bow so that's going to be lots of fun we'll be back next week to talk about it and to talk about the ballon d'or which is coming up fast we get excited to go through that one cheers for listening we'll see you next week take it easy gang peace